name is Irene, as shared by my beloved husband, a man of God. <laughs> I am so honored to stand before you this morning. It is a privilege to stand before you because you are kings. You are kings. Each one of you has a territory that God has given you to rule, to dominate, to influence, to change, to grow, to nurture. What a privilege to stand before kings. I come not because of anything about me, but I come because there's a word that the Lord has for you this morning. And I pray that even as we share, as we interact this morning, that your heart will be open. I'd like to request us to take a minute or two to just open our spirits. If you speak in tongues, I'll encourage you to speak in tongues for a minute or two. If you do not speak in tongues yet, I'd like you to praise the Lord in your own words and tell him, Father, I open my heart to you this morning. I open my mind to you this morning. I receive your word and I receive your spirit. Lord, even as I minister before your people, I pray that you take over and you speak only your heart and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There's a story I knew growing up of a man who had challenges finding food on his own. So he made it a habit to visit people that he knew had food. Strategy. Somebody say strategy. So one time he visits this family and they have prepared porridge, uji. And he's so hungry. He hasn't had a meal in a couple of hours or a day or two. So he's really hungry. When the porridge is served at the table and poured out into the cup, he can't wait for the host to finish praying over the porridge. And as soon as the amen is sounded, he picks up his cup and takes a big gallop. Lo and behold, the porridge was hot. Very hot. And now he has taken so big a gallop, if it goes down, it will burn him. If he spits it out, it will be an insult to his host. What does he do? He opts to cool the porridge in his mouth. He looks around and then he decides, ah, there's my clue. This house was built so well. This house is beautiful. So that he can open his mouth and let the air in. And hopefully it will cool the porridge before he sends it down, burning the hunger out of his system. So many times, we are so eager to do things, and we get it wrong. Even though we mean well, we get it wrong. Let's look at Exodus. Exodus 30. And as we turned there last week, we shared 
on different things, some of the benefits that comes with salvation. But today I want us to to move on to something different, slightly different but connected. Exodus 30 verse 20, 22, sorry. Exodus 30 verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spake to Moses saying, Take yourself Allow me to read my version, but just follow with that one. I think they're the same. No, no, no. Keep it up. Kim, don't, don't switch it off. Just let it be there. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take for yourself choice spices, 500 shekels of pure mar, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling can, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a heen of olive oil, and you might make with it a holy anointment, a holy anointing oil, sorry, a perfumed compound. The work of a perfumer. Some, some versions say they were as in the art of apothecary, which is the art of making perfume. It will be a holy anointing oil. And you must anoint the tent of meeting with it, along with the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings, with all its utensils, and the basin, and its stand. Verse 29, you must consecrate them, so that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. Let's move on. Keep that scripture in mind. Let's move to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1 to 16. I'll skip a few verses. Verse 1 says, a dead fly causes a stench in mixed anointing oil, so a little folly is more weighty than wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of a fool to the left. When a fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. Verse 5, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, like an error that goes out from a ruler. Folly is set in many high places, but the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves riding on horses and the officials walking along the ground like slaves. Verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks the wall will be bitten by a serpent. 
He who quarries stones is injured by them, and he who splits wood is in danger from them. Verse 10. If an iron piece is blunt, and there is no one to sharpen it, then he must prevail with more strength, but wisdom is a benefit to succeed. Let's jump to verse 16. War unto you, war to you, O land, when your king is a lad, and your princes are feasting in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is from nobility, and your princes are feasting at the appropriate time, with self-control and not drunkenness. This morning... I would like to share under the topic, the fly in my oil. The what? The fly in my oil. The first scripture that we read has clear instructions that Moses has to use to, to, to prepare anointing oil for the tabernacle. And it is so specific. The Lord is so specific, not just on the content, but the amount of each of the items. I like the fact that he says in verse 23, I mean Exodus, back to Exodus 30, verse 23, take from your, for yourself choice spices, meaning pick out the best. Pick out the best. This version says fine spices. My version even goes ahead to say sweet smelling cinnamon. Not just cinnamon. But it must be what? And continues to say sweet smelling can. Not just can. of olive oil. So the, the main base is the oil. But there are certain spices that go into the oil to make it holy unto the Lord. And the time God is giving him these instructions, he's very specific. And then I come across Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I have grown so fond of this portion of scripture and I'd like to share it with you. It says, verse 1, A dead fly causes a stench and mixed anointing oil. So a little folly is more weighty than wisdom and honor. It's one fly. Just one. But there's so much in this oil, but one fly is killing it. It's not a thousand flies, just one fly. But how this is this is mixed or this this says gives perfume. My version says mixed anointing oil. Meaning so many other oils have gone in. But there's this one fly that is causing a stench. Today I ask you, and I love the way the Lord works. This morning, Paul shares with us a word. 
that God gives you a word. God plants a word in you. And then other things come and spoil that word. And spoil that word. Does that mean the word was not pure? It was pure. But what was wrong with it? What's the dead fly in your oil? What is the dead fly in your oil? It's very easy for us as human beings, last week I shared, to rely on many things. To rely on our schooling, to rely on our etiquette, to rely on our background, our lineage, our associations, to get things done. But sometimes, because of one thing or two in your life, you become what is described in verse 5. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun. Where we have slaves riding on horses. We have what? And the officials. Let's move to that scripture. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes on foot like slaves. What is wrong with that picture? Just read it carefully. I have seen what? On horseback while go on foot like slaves. So who should be on the horseback? Who should be on the horseback? The prince. The kings seated right before me this morning. But why are they on foot like slaves? A friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, shared with me something this morning. And he said, the best, there are many ways to kill a snake. But the most effective way to kill a snake is to do what? Crush its head. Let me hear that. Are we ready to crush the snake today? Mine is a simple task. To ask us to evaluate. We have so much that we bring before God. We bring worship. We bring praise. We give to the poor. We have families. We purpose to nurture our families in godly ways, isn't it? We pray over our children. We try and speak the truth. Or we speak the truth. Sometimes we try. We throw in a few dead flies as we do. Yeah? So that it suits us. But we don't realize that we ruin the oil. What is this thing in you? I don't stand here to, to dish out condemnation. But I need us to acknowledge that with the dead fly in your oil, your oil has a stench. Your oil would be much better without the fly. Your oil would be much better without the fly. For some of us, the fly is our temper. For others, the fly is compulsive lying. For others, the fly is sexual sin. For others, the fly is just an arrogance. Have you ever seen the arrogance of a drunkard? It's amazing. 
He can be so drunk, he has soiled himself, but he walks around like he owns the world. He can say anything to anyone. I like what verse 3 says. When a fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. He lacks sense. He shows everyone that what? Everyone except himself. He doesn't know he's a fool. That's why he's walking that way. He shows everyone that he's a fool. Now, I like what verse 8 says. He who digs a pit will fall in it. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Continue. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs or wood may be what? Endangered by them. Let's just pause there for a bit. Many times we don't realize that there's a consequence to having this fly around. If you indulge in things that you ought not to, be aware that there's always a word, a consequence. There's always a consequence. There's always a consequence. You cannot be rude to your spouse and expect grace to come out of their lips. You're planting the seed and harvest time is sure. Whether good or bad, there must be a harvest. There must be a harvest. What are the things in our minds? What are the things in our spirits? Is it our attitude? Sometimes God wants to minister to you through somebody else. But because the person who comes doesn't look like a mighty man of God. Eh? You're expecting, I don't know what, a long coat, long beard, and the voice. You have a certain mental picture of who has authority. And yet sometimes he speaks to you through the voice of a child. The first time I met one of the profound ministers of God, he was preaching and I looked at him and that file checked in. I was like, oh God, now another young man just sharing with us. What is it going to be about this? That's all in my head. And the Holy Spirit cautioned me and said, be very careful what you dismiss. So in an effort to treat myself, I closed my eyes and listened so that I'm not distracted by what? The clothes he was wearing, the hair was everywhere. You know what I mean? For some of us, it is attitude. For some of us, it's perception. These are not bad things. They are given to us for us to be sensitive. But we must be careful that they do not cause us to throw out the most important things. Anger is one of those things that many of us tolerate and have never really confronted it before God and said, God, this anger thing is a real issue. You boil 
at room temperature. Then what happens when they start boiling you? I don't know. Very small things. For others, we are just too proud to stoop. Too proud to apologize. Too consumed in what we are, who we are, where we went to school, what we look like. To understand that there has to be a brokenness for you to be effective. Last week we looked at Corinthians 13. And I love the way it ties in with what I'm sharing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about what? Come on, I know you know it. talks about what? It talks about love. If I could speak in tongues of angels, but have not love, I'm nothing. There is a key ingredient to everything. I am only a what? A resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Very noisy. It's like the times when the children decide to play the drums after the service. It is an amazing sound. My, my youngest, I have three children. My youngest has come to that stage where they go to the kitchen and pull out all the dishes and viombo, isn't it? Anapanga. Then sometimes she'll pick up the muiko and start banging on anything or a sufria. You know? To her, it's a constructive sound of sorts. Or it's the effect of what this muiko can do to this. To the rest of us, (laughs) it is noise. Some of us don't realize that the challenge we have is immaturity. Yes, you have been saved. Yes, you have been delivered. But why do we still have chains? Why is it that every time we come for service, we still have chains sometimes? Because I was asking myself, yes, I'm so glad chains are falling. Can we deal with these chains once and for all? What is that thing that's keeping us from engaging fully with our freedom? You may be The children of Israel could have made their journey to to the promised land instantly, isn't it? I'm told it's a short journey. It's 11 days. But how long were they in in the desert? 40 days. Years. Did I say days? That must have been me talking. They spent 40 years in the desert. And I wondered what was the Lord achieving by these 40 years. There was a transformation that needed to happen. They were free, but they were still oppressed. They were free. Physically, there were no chains. But mentally, there was a chain. They would rather abandon their freedom to go back to Egypt and eat cucumber and onions 
Do you remember that complaint? At least in Egypt we had what? Do you remember that scripture? At least in Egypt we had onions. At least in Egypt we had cucumber and, and lettuce, was it? Leeks. So you would rather eat leeks when you're in chains. Esau had the same problem. He gives up his birthright for a plate of what? Beans or lentils. Eh? Madondo. Not realizing that he will get hungry again. If these were everlasting beans, you know the ones that sort out, we could have understood. Eh? The ones that sort out your hunger once and for all. But it was just a plate of well done beans. And the hunger will come back tomorrow. What is the fly in your oil? What are you selling short? What is keeping you from enjoying this Christian walk fully? Is it your mindset? The children of Israel needed deliverance. Not just from the oppression, but from the oppressor. To realize that they were free. Freedom is something that we all call for. How many want freedom? Financial freedom, hands up. Spiritual freedom, hands up. You're not very enthusiastic. You think I have a trap. I don't have a trap. (laughs) How many want financial freedom? How many want uh, spiritual freedom? Social freedom. You want to be able to walk into this place and be like that drunkard. They have a freedom, don't they? They don't care what you think. I'll never forget the first time I saw my father drunk. Came home late and he said, Bure kabisa. I never heard him speak Swahili. <laughs> it's amazing. But with freedom comes responsibility. You can't take the freedom and not carry the responsibility. It, com- it comes with responsibility. In fact, your chains were freer than your freedom. You had, because then you didn't have to think about making the decisions, isn't it? The master made the decision. Now we are building this. Now we are going here. But when you're free, now you have to make the decisions. And take the consequence for your decisions. I remember the first time I shared a word at this very altar. I was so scared. And then I saw some people dozing. And I summarized the sermon like this. So tell your neighbor, don't stumble the preacher. I didn't even conclude it properly. I just said, Pastor, God bless you. Freedom comes with responsibility. You have to study. You have to read that word. You have to understand what it means to be a Christian. You can't just sit and wait for God to... Oh, you read only the parts of the Bible that suit you. The ones that say you're more than a conqueror. 
Somebody say amen. The ones that say you're the head and not the tail. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. It comes with responsibility. This morning, you have a responsibility. As a congregation, one of the flies in our oil is we don't keep time. Can I bring it home? We don't keep time. What time does the service start? Nine, ten. We don't keep time. We don't show up for prayer meetings. When we say, how many want Jesus to bless you? Hands up. Isn't it? But when the table is laid for the blessing to begin, what's the table? The prayer meeting. What's the table? The Bible study. You don't show up. What's the folly in your oil this morning? You don't pray. Maybe we do pray, but we pray enough. Then you'll ask me, I mean, how much is enough prayer? That question in itself says something. <laughs> Am I sharing with you? Ecclesiastes, verse 10. Chapter 10, verse 10. If iron, if an iron piece is blunt, if an iron piece is blunt, if an axe is blunt or is dull, its age unsharpened, then more strength is needed, but skill, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Paraphrased, if the iron is blunt, you're going to need more strength to do what? To use it. What is making your iron blunt this morning? What is making your iron dull? What is making your axe dull? What is giving the devil a holiday? He says, ah, time ajafika. It's time to plant. Sindio, knows your timetable. Awe, don't worry. I'm in the deliverance church. I'm in the miracle service. I'm in the prayer meeting. Awe, sijali. Akirudi tuatalala. As in the enemy is not threatened by you. And you are okay with that. By extension. You say, but Irene, can the enemy just stay where he is and I also stay where I am? That in itself is a fly. The reality is that if you bury your head in the sand, it doesn't mean that the activities have stopped. You need to wake up to the fact that there is a war going on. And you cannot pick and choose what you want. This congregation has a destiny as a group, as a body. 
as a body, we have a destiny as a, as a, as a church. And it's going to take each one of us coming in. It's going to take each one of us checking in to achieve that. If you think you're insignificant, let us try to remove this wall from this building. What will happen? We should ask the architect, isn't it? We don't know these things. If this wall goes down, will the building stand? Maybe. Maybe not. But the wind will come in. This section will suddenly be empty. Everyone will move to where? The other side. How about you have a holy anointing oil? How about in your ministry to the widows? It doesn't have to be mega, mega. You know the one for trumpets come. And then she stepped out at the altar. It just has to be as simple as making a good meal for your family without complaining. Remember when we just gotten married sometimes, my husband and I would have an episode Somebody say an episode. That day the kitchen would be loud. See, I'm cutting nya nya. We are frying. You'd think I'm cooking for 90 people. It's just for two people. But it's the anger that I don't want to express verbally. So I, I channel it where? <laughs> to the chopping board. <laughs> to the pan. You scrub that pan. It wishes it wasn't dirty in the first place. What is the fly in your oil? You have prayed. Haven't you prayed? You have worshipped. You have come to church. You've been a good Christian. To the best of your knowledge. But there's a stench. There's a stench. You know that stench. You know where it's coming from. I pray even as I share that the Spirit of God will minister to you to kill the snake by the head. Stop poking the sides. Stop tickling it. Only for today, you say, you, I'll deal with you. You, I'll deal with you. One of these days, I'll wake up and be a Bible scholar. Start now. One of these days, I'll be praying at 3 in the morning. Start at 9 a.m. when you're awake. Why are you complicating it to a time when you're sleepy? Eh? Start at 9 when you're awake. Start at nine. And watch if heaven will not flood you so much that you can't sleep. Start by forgiving your spouse. Not picking on them, holding that file. You know that file, the one you say, sour too. If your wife says sour, 
It's okay. He's fine. See, you're the head of the home. What can I do? I am the wife. I am the helper. That doesn't look like it's coming from a good place. There is a file. And in the opportune time, my brother, it will be used. If you insist on doing something as a wife, and your husband lifts his hands, not really fivefold ministry, but an aquatia too. You do. Yeah, you do. He has already seen the whole lukumbele. But you are me najua. Even my mom used to do these things. Eh? My father. And you, you, you're really on top of your game in making this decision. And then now you fall in that hole. Who do you call first? Besides Jesus. Because <laughs> he has to use someone to pull you out. Isn't he? He has to use someone to pull you out. This morning, for some of us, it's submission. For some of us, it's just laziness. What is the fly in your oil? For some of us, you're just insensitive. I mean, you feel nothing for people who are suffering. Kwanzaa poverty is a curse. It's a sin. Do you know that? And you preach that gospel without putting love on it. It is nothing, according to First Corinthians 13. This gospel that you preach, what is missing? What is missing in your oil? Is it just cinnamon or it is sweet cinnamon? Some of us have so many clothes and you walk around seeing people who are walking naked or less than dressed and you feel nothing. They would rather be in your house just feeling the wardrobe, isn't it? One day I wear this dress. One day I wear this suit. One day this tie will come in handy. On the day when I'm cold, I see myself entering state house. Then you hang that, that tie there, not knowing that the person you would have given that tie would have opened the door to state house. That the person you despise right now is the key to the very thing you're looking for. This morning I pray that as you listen to this very simple sermon, do not underestimate the effect of the fly in your oil. Do not what? Tell your neighbor. Do not underestimate the effect of the fly in your oil. I'd like us to pray. My Father and my God, even as we lift our hands before you,
You are our Savior. You are our Redeemer. And today you call us to a place of holiness. You call us to a place of responsibility. You call us to a place of understanding that there are laws in the universe. There are laws that must be followed. There is a consequence to everything that we do. Oh, how I pray that your blood will cover us. That your blood will deal with our lips. That your blood will deal with our minds. That your blood will deal with our attitudes. That your blood will deal with us as a congregation. And deal with us as individuals. Master, I pray that you teach us the way of the cross. The way of mercy. And the way of strictness according to you. I pray that we will not be too lazy to do the right thing and will not be too sharp to tear through what we ought to preserve. This morning, my master, we remember our pastor as well. Wherever he is, O God, we bless him. We bless him. Help us to honor him. Help us to take care of him. Help us to acknowledge the leadership in our homes. Help us to submit to your will. Help us to submit to your word. We bless you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name. God bless you.